Sunday afternoons at 3.30 at the Springs, there's a rehab center in, in Mooresville by the, the St. Francis Hospital called the Springs. And uh, every Sunday at 3.30, Sue and I go up there to minister to them. Josh Kersey is sick today, but he used to work there. And uh, for over a year after they were built, they didn't, uh, they didn't have anyone ministering the word there. And they finally they had asked every church in Mooresville. So finally, they asked the workers to see if they could recruit anyone, and he came and asked me one day, and I went and visited her, and she, the lady began crying, and no one's ever even returned their phone calls and stuff, and we walked around with her, and uh, in my heart, I knew you couldn't let people who may never leave that place go without the gospel. And so every week when we go up there at 3.30, this is what we do. I take my iPad with Alan Jackson and, and uh, John Jones on it, and I've got about, now last week we had 23 wheelchairs, I think. So you got 23 wheelchairs sitting there with people singing just like we did today to worship God. And got a couple of little ones, uh, Phyllis, she'll go, and so, and I've got to end it fast. So the last couple of songs is usually Mickey Gilly pounding out, I saw the light and when the saints go marching in. And she's woo-woo in there in her wheelchair. But that's worship. This is worship. When, when you get up and you sing praises to the God who has saved you, that's what worship is. It comes from here. And so every week with, with Ray and Pam and Melissa and all of the folks and the, and the people who sing with them. Do that for them. Worship the Lord from the heart. They're just here to help you. But it's all about us worshiping Him from the heart. So our announcements for today. There's your Berean chapters for this week. It's going to be a different kind of lesson today. We're going to get, get a little deeper now on like, where do we go in life, man? We've opened all of these gifts. You know, what does God expect from us? You know, how, how are we supposed to respond to that grace and that mercy? Um, Bible study Wednesday at 7. Karate starts back up again this week. The, the yearly meeting after services today. And the Secret Sisters drawing for who you're going to have for the year will be on, the, on next week. So, a lot of things going on. A lot of people sick. Been hearing a lot of those. And I want to make mention of one special prayer request uh, for this week. And that's for um, Alice Martin. You know, Gwen and Charlie and Alice usually sit over here in the middle somewhere. And she's 95. And she had brought, you know, all of the little angel buildings and stuff. She slipped and fell. And... She was in the tub, and the shower or the rail on the tub went across her, her back. And the x-rays so far are negative, but she's been in so much pain, and she can't sleep. She's been crying, and the only thing that they're giving her is Tylenol. So uh, as we pray for our, uh, our word today, I'm going to also include Allison and all of those who are sick. 
uh, with that. But, but please keep Alice in your prayers because at 95, you don't know what could have happened on the inside there. And, and she needs our prayers of strength and comfort. And so let's uh, uh, let you open up in prayer yourself to God and then we'll close out and begin. Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for all those blessings that we have through him. Thank you for your grace and mercy and your Holy Spirit that you sent to us as a comforter. And Father, right now, Alice and many that's been towed and and untowed today that are sick, there's a lot of bugs going around. And uh, I know a lot of people are out today. And I, I pray for all of them, but pray that you would comfort Alice and allow her to get relief from the pain, to find sleep, and to find your hand of grace around her, Father. She's been a warrior for you for many, many years. And it's good to see several of our numbers back and, and still with us, Father, that have been sick. And we, we pray that you continue to comfort them as well. And Father, as we break open your word today... What we want to see is what our response to you is with all of the mercy and grace and love that you have shared. What, what can we do to respond back to that for you? And we're going to show a little bit of that today, Father. And we thank you for your word and what we're about to study. And we pray, Father, that it will sink deep into our hearts and into our minds and our souls and that it will begin to transform us, Father, into everything that you would like for us to be. Help us with that because it's hard. It's really hard, Father. And we pray for that strength and guidance and love. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hi, folks. Wow. Welcome, new life, to 2019. Time does not stop for anyone. And I can tell you, I can remember as a kid, when I was a kid, I... I'm going to date myself. I was born in 1961. And I... <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, it seems like a while ago to me. <laughs> but uh, in 1961, I started growing up through school. I loved all of those books, those old books in the library that talked about Geronimo, Cochise, Sitting Bull, Billy the Kid... Davy Crockett, Daniel Boone, all of, all of those historical type books, Lewis and Clark. We'd, I'd read all of those books, but most of those people started in the 1800s and went over to the 1900s. And I was like, wow, that's a big deal. That's 39 years away from my birthday. Will I cross over to 2000? <laughs> I never thought I was going to make it, but I did. And now here we are 19 years, you know, into 2019, into this 20th century. And it's like, wow, you know, 
time keeps passing, but I mean knowledge and stuff. The times keep changing. Um, but we're in, we're in a time that needs to know about the Word of God. We're in a time that needs to be shared to people about that. You know, we've been talking the last few weeks. I look back, it's been four or five weeks we've been talking about Jesus, about the preparation for His coming, about... Um, his family and his lineage and then the gifts that he brought to us and the gifts that God has gave us, not only his son, but his Holy Spirit and and being sealed by the spirit and a guarantee and an earnest down payment. We've learned last week and we opened up all of those gifts of redemption and freedom and the covering that he has given to us. And now as we continue this growth of grace and knowledge. You remember last week it said that the prayer that Paul had for the Ephesians was that they would grow in wisdom and knowledge and that the eyes of their understanding would be opened up to the word and that they could begin to grasp what is that hope of the inheritance that you have. Now we're going to go on. What When when it's the gift-giving season and you know that somebody has said, Boy, I've got a, a gift for you. I can't wait. I think you're going to be excited. You know what your first thought is? Okay, what am I going to give back, right? You know, what am I going to give back so that this doesn't look bad, you know, on me? So you think, man, I, I want to, out of this grace and love of a great gift given, I want to show how much I appreciate it and to give something back. And so that's kind of the thought and the mindset and focus today. We've been learning all of these things. So now, what do you want, God? If I asked you, what do you want back from me? What would that be? And you know what? He's revealed it in his word of truth. He's revealed to us what he would like for us to to give back. So turn with me if you would, if you brought your Bibles with you today to Romans chapter 12, and we're going to start there. But while you're turning there, I want to tell you about a toy that came out. Speaking of when we came about, um, my daughter was born in 1984. And that year, Hasbro brought out Transformers. Transformers came into being 35 years ago. Those rascals are still on sale. And they're expensive. I went to Wally World the other day and... The cheapest one was like ten, twelve dollars for a little bitty one, and you get a nice one. You're looking at thirty some dollars for a transformer. Yeah. Yeah, the original ones like that, the in good condition are probably mint. Yeah. I can't either. I was going to bring one today, but I was going I would have embarrassed myself cuz I can get it about halfway and then they get stuck and it either stays there or I break it. <laughs> I would have need Jaden to come up and show me how to do it cuz he he could probably work them a lot better than I can. Kids can do that. But you know the cool thing about it was, was they transformed. It was like two toys in one. You know, it would be a jet plane and then you'd take it apart and it's a robot. Or 
that semi up there is now a robot and you can turn it back into that and, and they transformed. They, they became something that they weren't in the beginning. They, there was something inside of them that would metamorphosize out of it. And that has went on all of these years. Now there's seven movies about Transformers. And there's all of these toys. And that brings us to Romans 12. Because Transformers is really what God wants us to be. He, let's make 2019 the year of transformation. For not only the church, but for us individually. And let's, let's see what God says about it. If you're there with me in Romans 12, we're going to read the first three verses there. And it says this. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Do not be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you might be able to prove that which is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say, through the grace that's been given to me, to every one of you who is among you, Not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one of us a measure of faith. The Holy Spirit, by the pen of the Apostle Paul, is pleading that first word there. He's begging, he's beseeching you, he's asking something of us. And he says this, By the mercies, brethren, by the grace, by the compassion, by the things that you have received from the God of heaven, I ask you to do something. I want you to look at verse 1 again. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice back to me. Now, to present means to exhibit something by the side of someone. So in other words, like in business, people make a presentation. And they, this is a presentation that we're doing here. We're beside each other in a presentation. A message is going on. So to present your bodies means God is here in the audience with you of life. And he says, by the grace and the mercies that I have extended to you through my son... I beseech you to in turn respond back to my love with transforming your mind and body into a living sacrifice to me which is holy and acceptable to God and our reasonable service. Now, I want you to realize how close God is in our daily walk because a lot of times I forget. You know, a lot of times I take over And I'm doing what I want and I don't realize a great fact that the Lord Jesus and the Holy Spirit lives inside of me. He's a part of me. He's there with me on everything I do. A couple years ago on Wednesdays, we went through 1 Corinthians. I want to show you how close he is to you. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? 
Shall I then take the members of Christ and join them to a harlot? Certainly not. Do you know that he who is joined to a harlot is one body with her? For the two, he says, shall become one flesh with the spirit with him. Flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside of this body. But he that commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. And do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Who is in you and with you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought at a price. Therefore, same thing as Romans 12, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, because they are God's. Now what he's saying here is different from what a lot of people teach and preach today. Because most of the time, this is only given as like you need to give up this and you need to give up that. Whether it's, you know, a lot of them talk about, you know, your habits and things. I, I don't see that in the context there, do you? No, the context, it may be a way of application to some things about it, but the context is about how we conduct ourselves in our our sexual purity before God. But the point of what I'm sharing this scripture from God with you is, is that he lives within you when you're a Christian. When it says last week that we were sealed by the Holy Spirit and that he's our earnest guarantee of an inheritance He became a part of us. He's inside of us. His DNA, when he sealed us, bonded. And he's there with us. And Jesus is there. And so he's saying, don't you know that now you've got a responsibility with how you live and how you use your body? It says there that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit in verse 19. That's referring to... The holy of holy place that was in the temple. It's where the ark of the covenant was. And the wings of the cherubim covered the mercy seat. It's where God dwelt. It's where it was partitioned off by a big rug that was woven thick. A foot thick. That separated man from God. And the high priest was only allowed once a year to go in there and to be in that place and offer up the sacrifice for sins. But when Christ died upon that cross, things changed. It says when he gave up the ghost and said, it is finished and I have died for the sins of man, that the middle wall of partition between God and man, that that temple veil was ripped in half. During the thunderings and the earthquake that took place. And it ripped. And now that separation was taken away through the death of Christ. And now we have access to the Father. And the Father is now going to present himself to be within us. He's always been a God that wanted to dwell in and among his people. And that's where we are. And now he says, I want you then as this to present Your body in which I live and in which is my temple. I want you to present it as a living sacrifice. Because that altar and that temple was where the offering and the sacrifice was made. And only 
sacrifices that were acceptable to God were, well, acceptable to him. And that's where we're going to get ready to go again. But look back here to be transformed. Let's go back to Romans 12, 1 again on our, on our slide here. I plead, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, by his grace and mercy that has been extended and we've been revealing, that now, as your response to that love and mercy, present, exhibit your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. Do you ever stop to think about that the nature of mercy is reciprocal? That when, don't you just like that, when somebody really extends mercy and grace and a big thing upon you, don't you feel humbled and want to respond in a kind way to that person? That's what God's asking of us here. It's a reciprocal thing. It's kind of expected. Listen to Matthew 18. Now, these are the words of Jesus when he's talking about this. He says, the kingdom of heaven operates like this. A certain king was doing some record keeping. He discovered that there was a man who owed him 10,000 talents. That man was not able to pay that debt. He came in. He asked for patience. He asked to be given time to do that. The king looked at it and said, I'm just going to forgive that of you. And it is your debt has been forgiven to you. Go in peace. But you know what the man did? After receiving that great gift, he went outside and he found a guy that owed him only a hundred denarii. Way, way less. But he went up to that man and grabbed him by the throat. And he said, you pay me what you owe me. And I want it now. And the man asked the same question that this guy had done. He said, give me patience. Have patience. I will pay back all. He, he didn't have patience for this guy. Even though he had been forgiven of much, this guy with little, he said no. And he threw him into jail. Some people who were, were familiar with the king and the situation went and told the king what this man had done. And the king called him in and said, you ungrateful and wicked servant. Did you not know that I forgave you of such a great debt and yet you go out and you harassed that person and cast him in prison for a small debt? You also now are going to have to pay for your debt. And they cast him into prison as well. So grace and mercy is like paying it forward. It's expected in return, really, for what you've done. You don't expect it to be kind of stabbed in the back by it. So grace extended desires a good response. And that's what God is desiring for us. And he says it's our reasonable service. It's our reasonable response back to him. And then it says to present our bodies then as an offering that is holy and acceptable to God. So an offering belongs to the one who is seeking the offering. It's, it's his kind of, it's like a doctor when he gives you a prescription, he writes what that prescription is, 
and that he wants you to do. And then he also writes how you do it, like take one tablet three times a day, and I want you to take Synthroid. So he gives you the prescription and how you do it. And that's kind of like what an offering is. God is very specific. He always tells you what he expects as an offering, and then he wants you to give that in return. We know what holy is. We've kind of looked at that before. It means to be separate. It means to be dedicated to God and set apart from the rest of the world, the rest of common things. But what about acceptable? We've not really went there too much. So what would it be to be an acceptable offering to God? You know what? We don't have to guess. We've got a biblical example of what that would be. So if you got your Bibles, mark Romans 12 because we're going to come back at the end. But I also want to take you now to a biblical example of acceptable offering with Cain and Abel in Genesis chapter 4 if you'd like to go there. It's a familiar story and it's going to tell us about an offering and what was desired and what was acceptable and God spells it out. So if you're there in Genesis chapter 4, let's begin reading in verse 3 because the first two verses says that Adam knew his wife Eve and she conceived and brought forth a son and named him Cain and brought forth another son and named him Abel. And now it says in verse 3 that in the process of time that it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. But Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. The Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain became very angry, and his countenance fell. And the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door, and its desire is for you. But you should rule over it. So Adam and Eve have these children. Time passes. Now they are old enough to stand before God themselves, to exhibit, to offer up, to present something for Him. Now it says that the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but notice that he didn't respect Cain and his offering. And Cain thought that he should have, and he gets real mad. Now, the word for respect here means to gaze upon something with knowledge, to understand the person and the thing and everything that surrounds it, and with that knowledge to know whether it was right or wrong, to be accepted or to be rejected. That's behind this word to gaze upon. So the Lord looked upon the offerings that was presented up to him. And it says one of them he accepted and one of them he rejected. And the the one who was rejected couldn't figure out why and he was mad. And so that makes me wonder, is, was it a guessing game? Did it, was it spin the wheel and what it lands on? I'm going to hope God accepts that. No. Because for God to become angry and reject your offering, that means that he probably told you what he wanted. God doesn't 
go back and forth. He's not a shadow of turning. He's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He, he has a set standard of things. It's not a guessing game. He doesn't change his mind all the time. About the time you say pink, he says orange. No, he gives us that. So the commentary on this is Hebrews 11, verse 4. The New Testament gives us a commentary. It says that by faith, Abel offered up to God a more excellent sacrifice in Cain, through which he obtained a witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts, and through it, he being dead still speaks. And that being dead still speaks means that This is an example for us today. It's still talking to us. It's still active. It's still relevant. So what is it then? It says, the difference between the two was by faith. By faith, Abel offered an excellent sacrifice and Cain didn't. Now, you know what faith is? Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the word of God. So That means the word of God had been given to Cain and Abel what I want. I want an animal sacrifice because God desired a blood sacrifice for whatever it was that they were offering up. Cain wanted to do something different. He said, I should be able to be accepted by what I want to give as God as my worship. It should be okay. I'm going to give him the fruit of what I've grown. In other words, my works and what I've done. I am going to show him how righteous I am. And that didn't work. It wasn't what God asked for. He thought he had the right to change it, what God had asked, and the right to do it, and for God to get acceptance to to what he had. So let me ask you honestly... If you know the rest of the story, how did it work out for Cain? It didn't work out very good for Cain. God looked upon these two offerings. He accepted the one. He rejected the other. Cain gets mad. Now think of our children. He gets mad and he says, God should accept my worship the way I want to. The word for angry here is boiling mad. He was to a point where he was, he was red-faced, he was upset, and his countenance was fallen. My, I should not be rejected this way, but I want you to notice something here. Did Cain getting angry, did his countenance falling, did his reasoning back to God of why he should be accepted make any difference? No, it didn't make any difference. God's standard, God is just and God is righteous. He's love, but he's justice and righteousness also. And he, it has to be according to what he said. He can't change that or he would no longer be God. And so in verse 6, the Lord says something back to Cain. And I want you to realize that those quotation marks there in verse starting in the middle of verse 6 that I've put in red... This is the Lord speaking and giving advice to Cain personally. And he says, Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? But if you don't do well, I'm telling you, sin lies at the door. 
Its desire is to have you, but you, you must rule over those desires. The Lord's talking there. He says, if you do well, it means if you, if you follow my word, if you do what I asked you to do, will you not be acceptable in your life and your worship? Because it says in there, they looked at Abel and the offering. He looked at Cain and the offering. So what he's doing with us is looking at our life and what we do, our life and our worship. And it's in two parts. It's in personal and it's in corporate because we are all one body too. When we're here and when we're away, we're separate. If you do well, if you continue to offer up, you will live. You will have, have great joy. But if not, you're going to be cursed. I want you to not be rejected, but I want you to transform by the renewing of your mind. Affecting then the way that you do things to renew yourself. To be transformed from that robot into something useful. So I want you to transform yourself. But if you don't, Cain, temptation is there to not follow my word. Sin lies at the door and it so much wants to take a hold of you and to grab you for itself. But that's not okay. So he says, you must rule over it, your urges, your flesh. The fleshly desires that that wants to do what I want to do, that wants to worship the way I want to worship, to live the way I want to live. I should be able to. I've got one life, right? No, you gave it back to God. When you said, I will be yours and I want to be a Christian, it says you are buried with Christ and you've arose a new creature. You died to self and now you are his. And he told us in the scripture we saw a moment ago, you were bought with a price. You're no longer your own. You're his. And he's asking us to change, to transform, to be something new. So now that we've looked at that biblical example of what an offering that is acceptable is to God that it follows to what he asks us to do. Let's go back to Romans 12. I told you we'd come back around to it. The beginning of our beautiful transformation begins in our heart and our mind and what we think, and that will lead to action on what we do. Let's look at those first three verses again. I beseech you, therefore, so the Spirit's pleading with us. I beseech you, therefore, by the mercies of God that's been extended, Present your bodies a living sacrifice, a living offering that's both holy and acceptable, which is your reasonable service. I mean, it it makes sense that this is what God would want. Do not be conformed. Do not allow yourself to be conformed to the ideologies of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good and acceptable and what is the perfect will of God. For I say through grace given to me to every one of you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to. Isn't that what Cain was doing? He was thinking a little bit more highly of himself. It's kind of where the root of pride begins to come in. You think that you know a little bit. He said, don't. Think soberly. That means in relationship to God and what he wants to do is what this word means. As God has dealt to each one of you a measure of faith. It begins here. The renewing of our minds and our hearts begins to form a change within our life of what's acceptable. Don't 
be conformed to this world. You can look out there on the news. You can look at the people at work. You can look at the people that talk. And they want you to conform to their ideologies of what they think is right. What they think that they should be able to do and have both in life and worship. And the spirit is saying, don't allow yourself to be conformed that way. You have to be transformed into God's person. And you got to know what his will is then, that perfect will of God. It's just as perfect today as it was in AD 40. It's alive, it's living, it's powerful, and it doesn't need to change. It will not change. It lives and abides forever. So when society tries to tell you that it was outdated, it was written so long ago and we've changed and we've got to adapt. Adapt is conforming. Don't be conformed to this present age. You've got to be transformed to what the Word of God tells you. You've got to recognize it. You don't need more entertainment and more stuff. You need grounded in the Word of God. You see, Cain felt that way. I shouldn't be rejected. This is a new day. This is my stuff. I'm giving you the best, Lord, that I've got and that I've grown. Lord said, but it's not what I asked for. And this is what I want. And so I pray that 2019 for us, for each one of us individually, to myself as an individual and as a body of Christ together, that this is the year of transformation. That we will transform ourselves and the Lord's church into everything that he desires it to be. And we begin to grow in that grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus And it permeates us and we are transformed bit by bit. And like I said, it takes a long time. I've been working on this thing for 39 years and it's still going on. (laughs) You know, I'm still being transformed. I'm not where I want to be. I'm kind of stuck sometimes. Like I said, when I try to do that semi into a robot, I can't get the arms and the legs and the things sometimes to do what I want. And it gets stuck. And I've got to go back to God and allow him to help me break that loose and to be what he wants me to be. And what Paul says here in verse 3 is a pivot point. The first two verses related back to us personally, how we present ourselves. He goes on to how the body of Christ is supposed to be. He says, yourselves, you offer yourselves up this way. But now, don't let anyone think high-minded of themselves but think soberly he says why because proverbs chapter 14 and verse 12 says this there is a way that seems right to a man but its ends is the way of death and so that's why we have this admonition here that we don't know the way to guide our steps it's not within man to guide his steps we need guidance from the word of god It is the light to our paths and our steps. So he says, don't be high-minded is the word. Don't raise yourself to a level that you're not, basically. Don't be a cane. So in our personal life, present our bodies that living sacrifice, acceptable to God, our reasonable service back to him. Verse 4 now moves as we get together as a body of Christ. As many... Of us in one body, we are all members of that one body. He says, all members do not have the same function. 
looking up there in verse 4 and 5. So we, being many, are one in body in Christ, but individually we are members of one of another. We interact together to make this thing a body. We all have differing gifts that have been divided according to God's grace that has been given to us. There are categories, there are things that are to do, and God's word spells all of these out. And he's given to some this and to some that and to some these abilities. But he says, don't be high-minded because you didn't get the ability you want or the position. Don't be high-minded. Don't place yourself above what is expected. Do what he asked you to do. Be who he wants you to be. And we need all kinds of things here in the body of Christ, don't we? I mean, we need everything from um, preaching the word to teaching the kids to cleaning the building to mowing the yard to cooking the breakfast to being cheerful. One of the ways that it says there is one of the gifts was just being merciful and cheerful, you know. You need some folks here in this congregation that every time you walk into the doors, they're being cheerful and they're being merciful and they're greeting you and they're smiling. You, that is a gift. That's a bigger gift than you can imagine. That will bring people back because they say, I've got some folks there that love me and are so happy to see me. And that's what we are to do. You, you don't realize the effect that your gift has upon the body and upon those who visit. So I pray that this is our year of transformation. That we, we transform into what God would have us to be and do instead of sitting back and being afraid to be what we're supposed to be and do. Let's make 2019 that year. Let's pray. Father, we, we thank you for these examples of how we can extend grace and mercy to you and love back to you and also to our fellow citizens, our brothers and sisters. We want to be acceptable, Father. We want to be set apart. And like I said, it's, it's a work in progress. Keep working on our hearts and our minds. Keep showing us things in a new light. Help us to be what you want us to be. And, and help us to resist the urges and the temptations to rely upon our own thinking instead of your word. Father, we thank you for grace and love and mercies. Your son, your word, your spirit all of which you've given us as tools and means to make us strong, to make us able to resist temptation. Father, be with this congregation. Be with every individual here in our, in our walk and our battle against the world and also as a combined fellowship in this community to be a force of light and truth. And we pray and ask these things, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Come on up, folks. Come on up, singers. <laughs> Come on up.
All right. You want her to come back home? Home with uh, John and Sharon and the boys. Pray that, I know you're already working on her heart. She's ready to, to, she's already given her voice and faith and she's waiting with, with Skylar to be immersed in the waters as an expression to all that she has made that commitment. And Father, we pray that you continue giving her strength and guidance and hope in life and be there with them, Father, and unite that family in Jesus' name. Amen. You're welcome. You're welcome. Amen. This is what we're talking about is transformations, isn't it? This is a big transformation in life that that you're going through. Mm-hmm. Hill far away stood a
What a friend we have in Jesus as we prepare our minds for communion and as they pass the emblems out. What a friend we have in Jesus.